Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. How's your head? Well, I just accidentally bit down really hard after saying that for the first time since getting all these teeth removed. And ow, (laughs) my head is filled with holes and kind of tender. Oh, no. Why is it filled with holes? I got all my wisdom teeth taken out yesterday, finally, after putting it off for 10 years. I got to keep all four of them, which was exciting. I was worried that they wouldn't let me. (laughs) But the woman was like, yeah, as long as they come out whole, they're all yours. And I had to have like three people. First of all. I have like incredible doctor induced anxiety no matter what. And they took my blood pressure as they were like approaching me with needles to give me numbing shots to the mouth, which is like like the worst timing ever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to like, she needs to go to the hospital. No, I'm, I'm, I promise my blood pressure is not this high normally. Normally, Yeah, exactly. You're just like approaching me with needles. So of course it's high. But anyway, they had like one woman who was like literally holding my hand, one woman who was holding my head and like maneuver, like just like maneuvering my jaw. Okay. And then the actual surgeon who was yanking the teeth. So, oh my goodness, <sighs> it was gruesome, but yeah. it needed to happen. And now I have four teeth that I get to decide what I want to do with. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe jewelry. Yeah, I think and just like really lean easiest. into looking like a crazy person, which yeah. I love. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, how's your head? No one's complained yet, so <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm my head is really great. My head is great. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a horrible Like I said, joke. no complaints. No complaints. Oh my goodness. All right. Should we do a card of the day? What deck are you using today? I am using Urban Tarot, which I got in the mail earlier this week on my big giant mail day. I got three decks in one day, which was wild. You should be having that experience shortly though, right? Oh, I hope so. So we took the Lenny class. Yeah. And so I keep using Lenny cards to kind of ask about these packages coming in. Like, will I get these tarot packages today? And every day it's like the whip and the Sith. And I'm like, well, no, apparently the answer is no. So, but Friday it was like the bouquet, the key, and one other really positive card. So I was like, maybe on Friday I'll get some tarot decks. So I'll update you. I really, I was told that your package from me would get there on the 7th. Well, it lied. So, because it wasn't here on this. This is now the 10th. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? All right. But anyway, so I'm using the Urban Tarot uh, partially because some, I can't, I should have looked this up beforehand. Somebody in the Facebook group sort of told us that it was less, the borders had been removed from the mm-hmm. cards. I think it was Maya from last week. It was week probably too. Maya. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Maya. <laughs> Keeping us informed and updated. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But anyway, so that prompted me to get it because I have this thing with borders, as we've talked about before on the podcast. And so I finally bought it. And then when I opened up Queering the Tarot, which we're talking about today, I saw that it's the deck that she uses for all of her like images. And I was like, oh, perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I thought when you said that, I was like, what? Like I should have ordered that, but then now I'm on a deck freeze again. So it's like, well, fine. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, and this I think is less than 20 bucks on Amazon. I think in my tarot store, it's like 
35 or 40 oh I think. my god so, all right yeah. well if you want to yeah. send it to me that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. maybe we'll do we'll try that a lot of decks are coming your way now that we may be moving so yeah just, just ex- expect an onslaught of decks <laughs> in the next like me. two months <laughs> i have a mail place that i like that will send stuff to you for cheaper so okay, that's good. oh yikes all right so nine of pentacles just popped out oh i like that one in the book talking about today nine of pentacles is a really good chapter I thought, yeah so. i thought so too um so for the nine of pentacles it's kind of saying that today is going to be about like i which i actually kind of already see because we have like a pretty good system in place for like having our outlines and how mm-hmm. we're doing all the like how we review books now is a little bit more systematized so today even though i have been like basically out of commission yeah <laughs> all of it can still <laughs> fall into place because we're kind of seeing the benefit of past hard work coming yeah. through with how easy it was for or not easy how you were able to like put together the outline because i failed at it and all of these things like because we have a system in place it's easier yeah. to make up for one of our lives being lives being a little bananas. bit mess right now yeah <laughs> well i'll read the quote that i liked from the nine of pentacles chapter in the book oh yeah it says we planted the seeds in the seven we learned how to weed and nourish them in the eight and now everything is blooming beautifully in the nine you Aww. did this. That's beautiful. You are beautiful. Oh, thanks, that- Cassandra Snow. No, it's so encouraging <laughs> and nice. I really love them. I do too. <laughs> A lot like, of their ah, book so is yeah. just really encouraging and nice. <laughs> All right, should we do Patreon shoutouts? Then we can talk about our book. Oh yes, yeah. I was like, I need to get back to the outline because I was on the book stuff. Was, <laughs> yeah, you're like, ready where are to we transition. <laughs> we got some stuff to do first. Yes, we do. We have some new Patreon supporters. Yes. Yay. Also, if you guys hear a difference in my voice, it really is just because I just got a bunch of teeth yanked out. I can't tell <laughs> if I sound any different. I don't feel like you do. Okay. Well, that's good. So, yeah. <laughs> I just can't hear you as well, but I think it's because the room is different. Yeah. So. I'm also in a different room. I'm in my convalescent bed, which is the couch. <laughs> that i have created into like an ideal zone for resting (laughs) i love it so yeah we have a patreon sign up for our patreon if you want extra cool stuff yeah Yeah. totally and to support us we love it we're i'm gonna send out the supporters who backed us in may they are due their uh wildly tarot deck which i'll probably be sending out next week so if your address is not visible to us and you know that you support started supporting us in may Maybe direct message us on Patreon so that we can have your address and get it out to you smoothly. Yay. How exciting. I know. Okay. So I will start with Jennifer F. Your card is the Seven of Pentacles. All right. And Kaylee R., your card is... What is this? Oh, the Ten of Cups. Ah. Look at how pretty Aww. that card is in the early oh, I tarot. love that's one of my favorite cards. It's like in that whole deck. A couple sort of like being all lovey dovey at what looks like a pride parade. Yeah. It's really, really pretty and the colors are incredible. I love it. Aww. So pretty. And Dee Dee, your card is the moon. Ooh, Ooh. that's kind of fitting for what I know about Dee Dee right now. So <laughs> yeah. keep on moon and Dee Dee. <laughs> keep, I mean, on keep on mooning. <laughs> I mean, depending on your state and local rules about public nudity, maybe keep the mooning yes, to, a to a internal, minimum. theoretical internal. sort of mooning <laughs> rather than a literal sort of mooning. <laughs> All right. And then Monica, Sally, your card is the five of pentacles. Good luck with that, girl. 
Woo. And we are going to draw for our Patreon of the month because Holly and I have wacky schedules this month. So oh, this is like gosh. the only FaceTime we can have with each other. <laughs> so I have all of our Patreon members' names in the Otherkin's Tarot box. This is the only thing I've the used. Otherkin's other tarot box. That's hilarious. You're just all about the recycling. So if you can ASMR this, me shuffling. <laughs> Okay, so for every month we draw a Patreon member to get a reading from, this month it's my turn to give you a reading, so the lucky person is Tarot Tidbits! Oh, yay! yay! So, I will be messaging you on Patreon about your reading, and we will get our heads together on what you need right now. So, yeah. yay! Love it! Exciting! Yeah, that's a really fun thing, the reading that I did for the Patreon supporter of the month last month was really nice. It's cool to, like, get to connect to people in that way, because it's a yeah, little bit more intensive yeah. than just, like, answering a question on the podcast. Yes, I love it. Awesome. All right. So now we get to talk about the book. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can we give like a disclaimer at the front end? Yes. Let's give a disclaimer at the front end. Do you want to do it or would you like me to? I just feel totally inept to tackle this topic. Yeah. Basically. I think this is one of those things where it's like scary, not scary. We're it's worried. like exciting, but we don't want to be dishonoring in our words exactly. and our vocabulary. Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from. I think that you're exactly like illustrating my concern too, just because as somebody who's not queer is not part of the LGBTQ plus community, I don't want to uh, like say anything or, you know, like make anyone feel like we're dismissing them or anything, but this book is really, really freaking great. And so I think that it deserves to be talked about on a platform. Like we have a lot of listeners and I think the book is fantastic. So hopefully everyone receives this in the way that we mean it, which is (laughs) well-meaning. Yes. (laughs) And we have a lot of friends who are in the LGBTQ plus community. We personally are not. So hopefully we kind of like can keep it... I don't know. I I don't even know how to express it. Like hopefully we just do an okay job of honoring this awesome work. Yeah. Like for me, this is a book that not only would people that identify lgbtq they would like appreciate this as a book just because it's it's very revealing about situations that are unique to your position and unique to your identity yeah but also as readers it gives us a beautiful perspective on how we can better like be allies for you and and serve you in different ways yeah and i think that that's kind of one of the things that uh, that cassandra sort of talks about is like everyone can benefit from having less less gender binary based ideas of tarot cards. Like that's not just something that people who are part of a specific community can find value in. And I definitely think that some of the things that they talk about in the book are things that we like have eventually evolved to in our own understanding of cards, like the emperor and the empress or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us get to that point if we are concerned about sort of gender essentialism and like the weirdness surrounding the patriarchal ideas of those cards. So like, I think that a a lot of us get to that point eventually. And I think that that is why this book is such a helpful thing for people to experience when they're at the earlier side of their journey, because it saves a lot of that hassle of going through that period where you're like, okay, the the Hierophant does not connect with me one bit. I full blown hate it. And so like reading this and seeing the alternative perspective and like, 
reading somebody who's kind of gone through that journey explain it makes it really helpful for any reader to see that, you know? Yes. And there were a lot of very unique perspectives in this book because when we read Modern Tarot, it was just from that author's perspective of their own life. Yeah, This is so inclusive of all, like, even, like, kinks comes in quite frequently. Yeah, And stuff like that. So it's, like, inclusive of anyone that doesn't feel, like, mainstream mainstream identifies with them well and so let's give the background of the book because that's actually part of the intro um that they talk about kind of extensively that i really liked okay so uh as we said queering the tarot the author is cassandra snow um and cassandra snow is a professional tarot reader and teaches queering the tarot and tarot for beginners classes they're a writer and theater maker in Minnesota, an art director of the Gadfly Theater Productions, which is a queer and feminist theater company in Minneapolis. Their work is focused on healing, empowerment, and liberation individually and collectively. In their free time, they consume excessive amounts of coffee, read voraciously, and hike when the weather and their health allows. And originally, this was started as a long-running Queering the Tarot series on Little Red Tarot, which is an awesome blog. You should definitely yeah. check out. And, and they have a really good shop, too. They have a really good shop. They're based in the UK. So if you're a UK listener, sometimes you can get decks for a little bit of a better deal because you're not paying importing fees. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you're supporting a really awesome creator. So. Yeah. And also, the founder of Little Red Tarot wrote the foreword to this book. And I loved the forward to this book. I highlighted like every other line. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where there's so many hearts and exclamation points in my margins of the forward that I was like, oh, yikes. (laughs) Well, that's I decided that I need to because I've been reading on my iPad and I decided like I need a hard copy of this book because I highlighted so much in my iPad that it's hard to like distinguish my notes. Yeah, totally. Go through it all. So I'm like, I need this in person. So like in my, (laughs) my fists. Isn't it funny? That seems like the ultimate way to support an author is like, like ending up with both a physical copy of their <laughs> book copy. and also the ebook version because you <laughs> loved know. it so much in ebook. Yeah, you're like, I, I need it in person too. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's definitely a really great reread because like even through like just one read, I was like, okay, we need to do this one more like time because yeah. it, there's so much packed in this book. Right. There really is. So, oh, you're doing the parameters. Sorry. Okay. Just or do you want to do the parameters? I don't really care. Do you want to do parameters? Uh, yeah, maybe then just because then I can steer in case my mouth starts That's hurting. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just did it because mouth. that was the the way that the, the template was. It was, was organized so it was any, No, yeah. thank you so yeah. much for doing this. Can I <laughs> leave this part in, Esther? I need to really quickly give like the most um, enormous thank you to my beautiful podcast co-host, Esther, because I... The last three weeks have been some of the wildest in my entire life. It's been really, really hard. I'm crying again. Jesus Christ. Uh, and Lean into the cancer. It's okay. <laughs> I know. It's cancer season. Everything's been freaking just wild and so frustrating and scary in some ways. And uh, Esther is a rock star and like a super champion for like helping keep me calm. Thanks, Esther. Oh, keep me welcome, calm and like on the path of moving forward rather than just kind of like cycling into like uh my cousin died and then I was out of town and now my head hurts and my teeth are all fucked up and (laughs) yeah but life happens and I know that when there's a moment in my life that where things go get a bit bananas that you'll be there so I know but I just like the friends theme song exactly I mean that's the thing about friendship we're supposed to kind of go back and forth that way but I just have felt like 
such an enormous drag the last couple of no. weeks. <laughs> no. It's so totally fine. I appreciate I love you. you a lot. I love you so much. All right. So now we can talk about the book. The reason that I did that is that Esther put together the entire outline and that's normally like my only job in the week is no. just to put together. <laughs> it's not her only outline. job. She lies. But <laughs> well, it was funny because like I didn't print anything off work because I'm at like the end of my week at camp. Like the first week of camp is finished and yeah. the second week of camp starts tomorrow. And I was like, I didn't print off the outline. Wait, did Holly do an outline? <laughs> Wait, there's no outline here. Wait, there's no outline. So I was like, oh, well, I got to put something together. So <laughs> it's just my brain is not functioning. We're all just trying our best, but I appreciate it a lot. And you're the queen of the world. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad somebody sees it. <laughs> all right. So now we'll okay. talk about the book. So what were yeah. your, do we want to go through the organization first and then we'll talk about Yeah. The interest specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the organization was Cassandra did every major Arcana card individually. Yes. And then when it got to minors, they like clumped the bunch together. Like, and it was Which like. I thought was so successful. I love that. I love that because like sometimes like, like we see with normally in our podcast, we put seven, eights, nines kind of together. Yeah. With, of pentacles. And I liked seeing like, especially in, I think the swords and the wands. Yeah. They put the five and sevens together for both of those. And yeah. I really like that because those are hard to distinguish in each of those suits. Right. Because they're both like conflict and like what's you know what the fuck is going on here and so those were that was really interesting seeing to see and then i think it was the cups chapter was like ace two three and four of cups were all together all together which i just think was such a good idea because like yes you could do each of those individually but it makes the it makes sorry let's start so cassandra does use she her and they them pronouns so we might kind of switch back and forth accidentally so they could have done one separate thing for each card, but I think that the if the thesis is like these, here's how we can change these stories to be more applicable to LGBTQ plus communities, having mm-hmm. them linked together to formulate more of a cohesive story was just yes. really successful. Yes, so yes. The other thing that I wanted to mention about the structure, though, is that it is not like in a lot of these books where it'll be like, here's the card, here's keywords for it upright, here's keywords for it, oh, yeah. you know, reversed. It doesn't go through keywords at all. No. So it is definitely something that you'd want to spend time on rather than as a reference. It's more yes. of like a study material. Yes. In the majors, Cassandra will mention like the typical meaning first, kind of like give a blurb about yeah. the typical meaning and then... Um, and then change it to how it's applicable to the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting too, because it kind of, fami- for tarot readers, it kind of familiarizes them with the traditional meaning, like how, how we kind of have been taught it. But she beautifully weaves the story in a way that is applicable to LGBTQ plus people in a, like a brand new light. Yeah. So I just thought that was really, really beautiful the way that that was accomplished. Totally. And then it's also structured with all the major arcanas. Then it goes through the minor arcanas and then the court cards are in their own section in the back. And the court cards are not linked to each other in the same way that she does with some of the like regular minor arcanas. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. If I'm losing the term minor arcana on my tarot podcast, <laughs> because my brain is starting to slow down, <laughs> that'll be bad. <laughs> That's okay. We can keep it moving. It's fine. 
Okay, so, oh, let's go through. Do you want to talk about the introduction and the forward at all? I remember reading the introduction. I don't remember reading the forward, but. I like the forward a lot. Like I said, it's it was written by Beth Maiden, who started Little Red Tarot. But I think the reason that I liked it a lot is because they kind of go through, like, a little bit of a theory about why LGBTQ community members are drawn to tarot. Um, and I think that that's really relatable. Just, like because of a lot of tarot readers sort of feel like outsiders in some way and oh, like yes. not fitting into sort of like a heteronormative patriarchal like financial system as part of that. And so embracing different sort of outside of the box tools to help us grow is the only way that we can like sort of become more self-actualized almost because mm-hmm. of just like restrictions that are put on us by society or put on everybody. But I really liked this quote. So that's the one, the only reason that I really want to talk about this is because okay. <laughs> uh, Beth says, to a world that categorizes us as non-normative, we say, you're lost. We'll build our own communities, economies, and structures of care right over here. Picking up affordable, accessible practices like tarot, astrology, herbalism, any folk tools that to the capitalist white heteropatriarchy are useless because they can't be neatly explained, co-opted, and sold is part of this radical community building process. Wow. That's so good. I know because it kind of links a lot of, I, I never really thought about tarot and herbalism and astrology are all being pretty accessible, but there are right. like so many resources for all of those. And now that there has been this like renaissance of tarot decks, you can find really beautiful decks that, you know, kind of eschew some of the traditional patriarchal stuff for like less than 20 bucks. So it is fairly accessible for people who are just trying to build themselves up to access any of these like folk systems of belief and folk systems of community and all of those things. And I really like that Beth kind of like explicitly talks about that because I think that that's a really beautiful thought. And that's a theme that Cassandra weaves throughout the book too. Yeah. I found interesting as well. Totally. Do we want to talk about like our guest third kind of voice oh yeah let's talk about fawn yes so we had we did have a listener respond back with their feelings about queering the tarot and that's fawn so hello fawn thank you so much for submitting um your your thoughts thoughts. so oh my gosh and it's like one of the most beautifully written emails i've ever received i know i'm just like (laughs) do i do i have to read this because i feel like i'm not doing this any justice whatsoever (laughs) like are you sure (laughs) So I will do the introduction kind of about them. And okay. then when it comes, to, because their favorite cards are my favorite cards as well. Oh, and perfect. I them before the, I got the email. So, sure um, so you I did. will mention, <laughs> I cheated. <laughs> I totally like cheated it off their paper. Um, so what will happen is that when we kind of get to that, those cards, I'll mention their opinion before I get to mine. Okay. I so, love that. That's a good strategy. Okay. Thank you. So Fawn says, being queer and being a witch are very much intertwined in my identity. I've been a witch my whole life, ever since I knew there was a word for what I was. The same goes for being queer. My magic has always been based in my queerness, and my queerness has always expressed itself through my sense of magic. I don't know one without the other, and they both influence my practice in ways I cannot separate. I grew up making potions of sticks and leaves in my mother's backyard, and talking to trees and fairies as naturally as I grew up, rejecting gender roles the world seemed insistent on placing on me and wishing for a type of family and my commu- and community where all my friends live together 
and supported each other and created beautiful things together. When I started studying tarot, I had a distinct difficulty with the imagery of the cards. I couldn't grasp the concepts in the imagery because none of the images looked anything like the life I knew. I didn't know these elegantly dressed religious figures. I didn't care for kings and queens or golden coins. As a child, I strictly rejected the concept that I was a human being at all. I was convinced I was a changeling, a fairy babe, left in place of a stolen human child, abandoned to navigate this strange and uncomfortable world, never knowing where I had come from or who my real family was. So in my cards, I wanted wild creatures, I wanted deep woods and otherworldly beings. I wanted little beasts with twigs in their hair and dirty knees. It wasn't until I was older and met more queer people and was able to exist in queer spaces did the concept of my humanity start to feel less alien. If there were other people like me, maybe it was okay to be a person after all. This feeling has always led me to seek out decks without traditional imagery of RWS, decks with animals and plants and other magical kin. But it wasn't until I really started to study the RWS deck that I became familiar enough with the meanings that I could bend and shape them into my own life experience. Love it. This in itself is an aspect of queer magic, the ability to shape and bend something to better fit within your world, to take the archetypes like mother and father and revolutionize them. That's why I'm so happy a book like this has been put forth into the world. I hope that Queering the Tarot is not just one book that comes out of this time, but one of many books on this topic. The tarot must be for every one of tarots to be used to anyone at all. The tarot must uplift those of all races and all genders and all income status. The tarot must be for the young, the old, the disabled, the marginalized, the oppressed, the poor, or it is utterly worthless. And we should not have to struggle to find ways to make the images of wealthy, white, heteronormative people fit our experiences. We need our own images. We need our own books. We need our own communities, both magical and mundane. We should not have to make our lives as similar as lives of non-queer people to be valid. We should not have to make ourselves in their shadows. We do not need to be like them to be treated with human decency and respect. Our families should not have to look like their families in order to be protected. Perfect. Thank you, Fawn, for that. Yeah, that's a great intro. Uh, And then also, just to go back to the forward a little bit, it's called Word. (laughs) So it's not the forward, it's just the word. I know that Esther used the full acronym that uh, Cassandra uses throughout the book in a Facebook post about this. And Esther was saying, like, uh, we'll talk about it in the episode, but... The acronym that Cassandra uses is LGBTQQIP2SA+. Um, it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, asexual, and anyone else who identifies as not straight or not cisgender or both. And I think Cassandra mentions that the plus can sometimes like seem a little bit dismissive, but I think for the sake of like an audio medium, We'll probably just go with LGBT plus because yeah, I would do LGBTQ plus. Okay. That's live. I I'll get on board with that because it's just like too long of an acronym to say over and over and over and over again. But I do think that it's valuable to mention that we would in a more visual medium, we would be like adhering to what Cassandra uses because it's her book. And obviously we want right. to go along with the method that they're using in it. Yes. Oh, and they also met, like talk about how queer is like kind of a divisive word because even though so many young people have reclaimed it, it's something that there's like still a generation of folks were really badly abused using that yeah. word. So it's interesting. So not everybody is going to feel comfortable with using the word queer to yes. describe 
even this book. <laughs> yes. But I really, the reason that I bring that up also is that I really like that there's so much intro information about the thought process behind it. And it ends up having a very explicitly laid out mission, which I love in a book yes. like this. Like, it's so nice to be able to say, like, what's the mission and vision of the book? This book is meant to guide you as you learn tarot, but it's primarily meant to make you ask questions, encourage you to sit with your cards and learn to let the deck speak to the beautiful, powerful, hurt and confused you that you are. It's like... Oh, yes. there it is. There's the mission. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay to feel uncomfortable and like to sit in that. It's okay to, to be that way. Exactly. Like about yourself, you know, not, ne- not about, not about LGBTQ people, of course, like don't be uncomfortable with oh, them because no, no, that's no. being homophobic. Internally. But internally being okay with like being uncomfortable with yourself and, and wrestling with kind of what's going on inside of you. Exactly. All right. So should we start talking about our favorite sections? And yes. start with the majors, perhaps? Yes. I have, I've chosen like three sections to overall the whole book, kind of, because I didn't want it to be too long. Oh, yeah. So I, do you? <laughs> I did two majors and a minor. Okay. I did two majors and then a minor from each suit. Yeah. For me, I was just like, just going to quote the chapter. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you should read exactly. the book. <laughs> I know. I think that that's it's like. like the, it's so good. What it really comes down to is just like, this book is worth reading. Even if you already have kind of gone through some of the thought processes and gone through some of the built up trauma of some of the more, you know, heteropatriarchal cards, even if you've already worked through some of those, I still think that this is really valuable to oh, yes. read. Yes, yes, yes. So you should, I mean, there's not a single section where I was like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Everything was just like, okay, I'm just going to quote the whole book, dur, so why am I even talking about yeah, it? Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they have, they have, Cassandra has already said everything that could be imaginable with saying, so my words like trying to retranslate this to the world of radio would not do it justice. Just go read the damn book is what I'm saying. <laughs> but still finish listening to the episode of the podcast. Yeah, finish listening to the episode. I mean, you can pause us and come back to us later and after you've read the book if you really want to. But okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we, we really liked it. All right. So yeah. what are your favorite majors? I liked the Wheel of Fortune uh-huh. and I like the Moon. Okay, I did not those choose either of those, so I'm oh, curious to hear. Oh, which your ones thoughts. did you choose? I chose Death and Temperance. I, de- I like Death a lot, but I knew that like I would weep during Death trying to like explain Death. So I was just like, I'm just not going to attempt <laughs> because it'll just be like tears. Too upsetting. So. Yeah. Are you surprised that I chose temperance? No, because I thought the temperance chapter was really good. I was highlighting more than what I expected. Yeah. To the so. temperance chapter got like five pages, which is pretty yeah. amazing. Well, go ahead and start with temperance sentence. Hey, it's your car of the year. So we might as well it kick off with car our car year. that we, the car that we've been, uh, <laughs> stock with. So the temperance card is the image on the cover of the book. I love that image. Yeah. It's really neat. I like that uh, Cassandra's focus is about it being more about balance and fluidity. And I think that emphasizing the fluidity rather mm-hmm. than emphasizing the balance is really nice because as like Cassandra points out, like being able to acknowledge how things shift and change is a really huge part of, you know, a lot of LGBTQ plus community members experience where you start off thinking one thing and then through a series of self-introspection, you realize that you have to be able to change and sort of juggle it. And they talk about how sometimes when this card shows up, it's saying that you're trying too hard to juggle a bunch of things rather than just letting it be still. So it's about like things being flexible and fluid, but also understanding when they 
aren't anymore. Like when mm-hmm. you have enough of that flexibility and fluidity. So I really liked that part. And so it's like, they do talk about the moderation components of it, but it's also framed in kind of a way of like, you know, if you're an activist, you have to also still be making sure that you're not burning yourself out. So like finding balance in that way, rather than finding internal balance, it's like finding balance between how you and your world interact with each other, which I liked a lot. I think that like when they say the lesson here is no doubt to accept this moment, time or era of fluidity. Maybe it's a permanent part of who you are, but for now, just enjoy the feeling and trust that it will lead you where it needs to go. I love the idea of it being an era of fluidity rather than like feeling like the temperance card is saying like, Oh, you know, you're not behaving in a way that's healthy for you. It's like, no, I'm just letting you know that right now there's a lot of changes happening. There's a lot of fluidity. There's a lot of movement within your life. And so like, being aware of that rather than seeing it as like a direction, like rather than temperance being like an order, it's just a reminder that we're in an era of things changing. And so like where we can fit into that. I really love the idea that one person's balance is another person's chaos. That was the quote that I was like, Oh my gosh, because so many times as tarot readers, we see and we like recommend things all the time, but also like our opinion, my opinion of what balance could be to another person may be their version of chaos. Yeah. I, I need to have like the humility to think of in the moments like maybe you shouldn't like think that you know everything and kind of <laughs> take a step back. Yeah. You know? And the reminding yourself that it's a fluid, like a fluid era and you need to be able to be fluid about stuff is like goes right along with that. Like there is going to be something where somebody else feels like they're just being flexible and easygoing or like handling stuff the way they need to be handling stuff. And you're like, Oh my God, you're totally dropping this ball. It's a disaster. (laughs) What's going on? That's not balance. And then I also like the sense that when they said that this card is finding a center to come back to. Yeah. Like for me, it's that it's just that, that sense of home almost like that sense of like, this is who I am at my core. This is who, I am at the end of the day and not necessarily like identity, but more of like when I return to myself, this is how like when life is chaos, this is the core of who I am. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And especially I know I was just like the card of the year. I think that's one of the reasons I chose this card is that since I've been thinking about temperance so much, it's really nice to be reminded that like you can be a temperate person and it doesn't look the same to everybody. All right. Do you want to talk about the moon? Okay, so Fawn says, I've always interpreted the moon as the figure that illuminates the unknown for us. It helps us see in the dark. It helps us to navigate the murky waters of the known. It helps us to find ourselves when we are lost and afraid in the middle of the woods at night. While so many interpretations of this card are about illusions, suspicions, being lost and afraid, not enough of them discuss the moon itself as being the beautiful light that will hold us in this space and support us as we come out of it. I like the emphasis of the moon's divinity and femininity that the moon wants us to heal and can be our ally in that healing process. When Cassandra Snow wrote, the moon loves LGBTQQIP2SA plus seekers and wants us to feel confident in our own voices as we move down our path. I really felt that and I really loved it. Thank you, Fawn, because we totally agree with you and love that too. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, so sweet. I love that Cassandra basically agrees with me about the moon. <laughs> like, because, because like Cassandra mentions in the book, 
that many times the moon is kind of seen as this place of like you know people are lying to you oh yeah deception going on bloody blah 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 and, and, we, and i'm like say, but it's I the moon reject this interpretation <laughs> yes, i was just like <laughs> yes because like i've seen the moon as just that place of wandering and that's what th- that's how they perceive it as well yeah they focus more on that the moon is the place for healing and i just love that so much because like we discussed in our like major arcana um tara wiley episode about the moon like you're kind of in that wandering zone and we didn't go as far as to say like that's the like that's a place of healing technically like but for for cassandra to kind of like latch on to this idea and kind of especially about the sun is masculine and i love that because i never thought that the sun is masculine i just thought the sun has always kind of bothered me just because the sun is the sun like woohoo bright sun but (laughs) it's so easy Jeez. it's so easy you know but it's it's but then but then like the idea that the sun is masculine and it's like the um like the god card and then the moon is kind of like the rejected goddess and so we're not going to reject the goddess yeah. in this book yeah and i was just like really identified with all of that going on like i literally could just like do quotes after i know i totally agree with you this was a really 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 great chapter and i also like that they that cassandra connects the high priestess to the moon and saying that the high priestess alluded to knowledge that was within us and the moon is seeing it come to light yeah i think that that connection with the two of them is really really nice and gentle and sweet yeah, and especially like the moon wants you to take things slowly. It's not like the chariot. It's not like your your healing process is going to be fast. Yeah, it's basically it's like take your time. This is not a process that's going to be quick. Right, and so don't expect that of yourself. This is a time to kind of allow yourself to heal properly. You know, yeah. kind of keep keep wandering, and that's okay for you to be in this place of healing in this place of between like intuition with with the high priestess and the moon. I just like yeah, I love adore it. this chapter so much. It's oh, so, so good. good. It's so good. The only thing that I wanted to say about the death card, because it is like, it's a very intense chapter, which Mm -hmm. I think makes a lot of sense because of a a lot of this sort of like endings and beginnings that LGBTQ plus people have to go through with coming out or even, you know, physical changes or emotional changes or whatever. When Cassandra says at the very beginning, death gets a bad rap, but everything good that has ever come to me has come after a time of significant and painful endings. Doors close, relationships die, we become totally new people all the time. I get why that's painful for a lot of people. Yet, and this is the part that I underlined, for a time in my life, I would argue I loved endings and new beginnings so much that I became addicted to the energy and application of the death card. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, that just really, like, hit me right in the gut because I do think that when you're drawn to reading tarot, a lot of us are drawn to it when we're going through times of transition and we want guidance. Yeah. And so a lot of the times when we first start reading, we may end up getting the death card a lot because mm-hmm. we're going through this huge transition. And I personally feel like when I, I mean, the transition in my just life between when I first started reading tarot and now is like, I really was into that death stuff, like the death sequence also. Like I wanted Mm. things to, you know, die out so they could rejuvenate so badly that I was like, kind of like looking for things to change almost like, okay, so now that my job has changed, like maybe we should move. Like maybe I need to put another, like I liked feeling that ending to move on so much that I kept pushing for it in places that it was like not really needed because it's so Mm -hmm. nice if you're somebody who cares about positive change to have this card that's full blown, like, well, that's over. Now what is next? You know, like it's yeah. nice from a growth perspective, but it can be so addictive to be like, 
all right, so now what do we change? Like now what's the next step? What else should I let go by the wayside? You know? So I I liked the acknowledgement that that can sometimes be so appealing that you get too sucked in to aiming for that like radical transformation in every single minute area. Like the death chapter, I think was the most powerful chapter to read in the whole entire book. Yeah. I need to read it again because it was so deep. Yeah. Like it touched like in deep places places. that I'm not ready to like deal with yet as (laughs) you know, like me. Yeah. So, you know, so it was, but it was like probably one of my favorite chapters, but one of the more intense chapters because the, like the philosophy and the concepts are so impactful and make you think like internalize things so deeply about like yourself and the patterns and everything that, like it's like i like i said i don't really want to touch it because i can't do it justice yeah so just read the book exactly (laughs) well and the other thing is that like i think that there's the flip side of the coin about loving the transition and transformation like that the death card brings with us um is being so focused on the transformation aspect that we're not allowing ourselves to feel the pain aspect and so that's the other thing that that they mention is like allowing yourself to acknowledge where it hurts and what you're sad to see end is like part of the transformation process. You have to be able to see the really rocky stuff too. Yeah. Anyway, so that was really fantastic. And now let's hear about the Wheel of Fortune so we don't get too wrapped. But you should definitely, even if you just like check the book out in the library to read the death section, I think that it's valuable. I will mention along with the death, like just kind of sneak it in here from the tower. One of the, like the things I underlined really strongly was the tower brings down only things in our lives that are built on shaky yes, foundation. Yes, I underlined I that like, too. Ugh. Oh my god, it's so, so good. Good. It's so good. So good. <laughs> and I mean, you maybe want to head. I don't know if you want to talk about the tower or not, but I was just like, well, why we're talking about death? I might as well sneak a tower. No, I don't think. I mean, here. that's the part that was the most like incredible. Like. I was clapping my hands yeah. and being so enthusiastic about that. Quote. Yeah. Well, I guess one more thing about the tower. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Are yeah. you surprised okay. at all that I'd have? No, I'm not surprised. It's fine. Um, <laughs> also the very last sentence in that chapter, the tower could be calling you to greatness, begging you to burn down the institutions that would keep us marginalized and building something new and beautiful in their place. I love that too. I will say that Cassandra expresses like social justice campaign advocacy. So the book has definitely that tone yeah. and vein through the whole entire book. Yeah, totally. So, and we'll as an talk about this with yeah. the minors, but the entire Wands minor arcana suit is sort of like framed from a social justice mindset. Fawn says, one of my favorite cards in the book is the Wheel of Fortune. It's always been a hopeful card for me as a trauma survivor, but I never thought to see the card as also being the shifting and changing of gender for a trans, non-binary, or genderqueer person. As someone whose gender and gender presentation and sexuality are always shifting on the wheel, reading this interpretation made me feel seen by this card in a way that I've never been seen by it before, despite it being one of my favorite cards already. I really greatly appreciate the many nuances of gender discussed in this book, and it only makes me want to read more thoughts on the subject of tarot from more genderqueer, trans, and or non-binary tarot Yeah, readers. totally. So, I loved it. That's awesome. Actually, one of, that like actually reminds me of something that Beth Maiden talks about in the foreword, because a lot of the really famous authors about tarot are part of the LGBTQ plus community, even if they're not necessarily discussing that in their books. Like... Mm. Beth points out specific people, including Michelle T, who we reviewed Modern Tarot. But like, I thought that that was kind of interesting. Like, 
saying there's tons of queer people throughout the tarot community who are writing, but they're maybe just not being quite as like specifically oriented towards LGBTQ like readers the way that this book is. Yeah. But I do think I that think- it's worth mentioning that there are there are a lot of authors who oh, you yeah. know are. It just isn't quite the same level of like here is what's going on with queer queerance. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think this book, like I said before, is like all encompassing of so many different identities. And it sees so many people that others may share that their own identity is this certain way, but it's not like it's not always inclusive as this book has been like right, overly exactly. inclusive yeah, and totally. making sure that everyone feels seen on the page. Yeah. And just being so transparent about it. Okay. So I love the Wheel of Fortune because of the maiden, crone, mother. I've never thought of the Wheel of Fortune as a primarily feminine card. Yeah, me neither. Like that never really occurred to me at all, like a masculine or feminine, because like my, the Wheel of Fortune has come up so many times personally for me. Yeah. I've just been like, hang on, that's all that's ever been. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then Cassandra says that while like the maiden mother crone in the wheel are not visibly partnered, they don't have any male counterparts. We have it technically like... Nay, Father Hermit is kind of like in witchy circles. That's kind of the counterpart. But in Tarot, there's really not that idea at all. Yeah. And so it's... But then, like, she beautifully conveys that this is like the card for those more gender fluid, that there's no gender assignment, that they are kind of themselves without being having to need a label. Yeah. And I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. And I know I'm like using all the wrong words. So I apologize no, for my I mouth. That, that was fine. This isn't yeah. like genderized, like, so, like the emperor or empress is. Yeah. This is kind of like on its own and without any established gender roles. And you can like, embrace this card in changes in your life and it just kind of means a season and maybe this is calling you for a season of change that you're yeah. at right now and i just thought that was really beautiful oh i love it all right so let's talk about minors then uh i think Woo. that probably starting with just saying like we already sort of touched on the overarching themes for each of the suits could be that wands are about social justice and queer identity as a passion They use swords to framework mental illness, cool heads recovering from oppression, pentacles is building a community the way you envision it to be, and then cups are inspiring and pushing us towards emotional healing and fulfillment. So it's organized with wands first, then swords, then pentacles, then cups. And I think Cassandra saved cups for last because it's like her favorite. And you oh, can yeah. kind of really tell. You can really tell. <laughs> really tell that cups are <laughs> their favorite. <laughs> it kind of gave me a lot to think about with the pentacles because I, you can tell that Cassandra's not super into pentacles. And no. since, that's, since that's the suit that I love the most. And I think that I love that suit the most because of the earth stuff. And like, yes, that's my framework for magic. That's my framework for who I am. But I also never really considered how within the system earth stuff could be because we all function in this capitalist society and a lot of the pentacle stuff aligns with that but it's interesting because i never really think of the pentacles as being like actually money yeah i always think about it in terms of like that earthiness and so i thought that that was interesting because she has such a different experience with the right with the pentacles being so explicitly about money and sort of capitalism and all of that and it gave me a lot to think about because I've always really identified with those pentacles. And yeah. it's very clear that Cassandra doesn't like them very much. <laughs> I 
forget what's maybe it was like the nine of pentacles that or maybe the ten of pentacles where they kind of were very um like we have a hard time with this card the ten because of the ten. still like it seems to be sort of like a masculine led nuclear family right right which i agree i would rather have the ten of cups show up as in terms oh, of yeah. like family like and sort of like ultimate goal stuff than the ten of pentacles any day Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But anyway, so yeah. do, were any of your favorite minor arcanas in the wands section? No. Okay. Not, 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 not no in that negative way. Just like no, no as in I'm having to scroll because my iPad reset itself. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like, I actually did have a wands. I really liked the five and seven, which we talked about oh, at the yes, beginning. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They sort of like combine into one chapter. And I really like it because seeing them in contrast with each other, actually, even as somebody who's been so reading for years really was helpful to see sort of like here's like sort of a framework for it and so one of the things that i really liked is that with the five they say that it's a situation that's unpleasant but manageable and it's like starting to get under your skin so the result of the five of pentacles would be to try to set better boundaries did i say five of pentacles i can't five of wands something five of wands just what she meant (laughs) (laughs) so anyway so yeah like it says as a reader i would likely advise you to put up boundaries if it's a family situation or to seek employment elsewhere but it's not something that's like already out of your control it's something that's like happening that you still have a lot of say in versus the seven which is telling you this is something that's frustrating and overwhelming but you need to stay and you need to fight almost yeah And I like that because the seven of wands being up on the hill and you don't see the people who are going after the person with the wands. It's like there is sort of this faceless enemy. And so I think the distinction being like with the five, it's like saying, take care of yourself or remove yourself from the situation. But with the seven, it's saying like, this is going to be hard, but you have to keep fighting. Right. Yeah. You're in for the long run. Yeah. It was really, really interesting and frameworked within the sort of like queer experience of like the five would be if there's queer phobia in your office and you're like, I'm I need to leave basically. Right. Versus the seven being like, there's queer phobia in my office and I need to stand up for what's right. And I Mm -hmm. need to like make changes. I thought that that was a really helpful distinction. Yes. I I love that. I do want to mention that they don't include any um, spreads in this book. Oh, But there is like a little practice with the nine of wands because the nine of wands is like persistence and kind of like keeping on working through like your hard time and oh yeah i thought it was like a really nice neat exercise so you pull nine of wands out and, and let it oversee the whole reading cards. yeah and then um think about things that you have been feeling defeated about whether they're personal or societal lay out three more cards in any order and these are steps to take to put this time behind you and to feel triumphant by the year's end and then pull one more card as a final message and let that message be for your like launch for the term. next I was like, I love this so much. I love that a lot. And I'm also more and more into, I think probably because of Ethany's book also, but doing spreads where you pre-select a card that you need more clarification about or you yes. need it. Actually, and it's the same with Michelle T's book too. Like the the practice of selecting a specific card and then doing a reading about how you can embrace that or yes. support yourself if it's something that you're dealing with that's Going difficult through. for you. Yeah. I think that that is so helpful because it gives so much more direction than just like, what do I need to know? You know? Right. Like, right. And, it's like a focus and intent kind of like. Right. And I feel like it. in Lenore, and since we're both, we both took that Lenormand class with Lenormand, that's like fairly common. Like if you need yes. to know something about yourself, you'd pull your signifier and then pull cards around it. And I think that that's just really helpful, especially if you're getting something that seems really nonsensical. Like the day that, 
um, we found out that my cousin had died. I kept pulling the scythe over and over and over again. And without the context of like, what does the, how does this apply to me? Like right. how, what is this injury? What is this gravest injury that's happened? Like I had, I thought it was just a fluke, but if right. you know, you pull your signifier or you pull the card that you're the most concerned about and then do a spread around that, there's so much more room for clarification. Yes. Yes. So I did want to mention there's no spreads, but this is like a good practice. Exactly. And I think that, that would be like an amazing thing to do with like any cards. And it's like, kind of like our thing of like steps forward in a mantra and i was like yes yes i you. love it that's my favorite strategy yeah uh oh and then also in the ten of wands there's just one thing so they talk about sort of like codependency and like you're already knee deep in this codependency oh yes, yes and yes. at one point uh they say we deprive ourselves of the time to grieve but in the end the human need to rest and mourn always wins yes which is something that we just have to remind ourselves. Yes. Like we need to give ourselves space to grieve and space to rest. And we don't, we tend to avoid that. Yeah. But it'll happen. If you don't <laughs> let it happen, it'll happen when it's not it'll on your turn. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the, the queen of wands section, like that was the thing that Cassandra said was that happens to the queen of wands a lot is that yeah. the queen of wands just ignores themselves the, all the time. And then the 10 of wands just all of a sudden happens. So <laughs> you're like, Oh shoot. Like, How did yeah, this happen? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Do you have any swords that you wanted to talk about? I thought it was super interesting that for the two, three, and four yes, of swords, I wanted to talk about was as an LGBTQQIP2SA plus person, this mini suit within the sword suit often tells a frank coming out story. Yeah, I and I was that like was so mind blown. I was my mind was absolutely blown. Yeah, because I don't think of that in that context at all. But it's absolutely true. You have a decision to make. There's heartbreak involved, and then there's arrest after and i right. just oh so good yeah i found that so powerful and, and also just like the idea like the whole mini coming out story just like what you said it's like starts with something clouding like you think that you know what you are doing and then something clouds that and you're like coming to all these realizations and then the heartbreak happens because not everyone has positive coming out stories and then the rest comes into play because now at least you're living your truth and yes. even though that heartbreak could have been part of the previous step, you need to give yourself a chance to rest and like kind of recalibrate with your new reality almost. Yes. Yes. I loved. And I also just think it's really successful to put those three cards together. And I don't think about them. Yeah. In I didn't that think way. about them as a set. Yeah. Especially the transition from the two to the three always has been an area that it was rocky. Like I understand the three to four because mm -hmm. of the need for rest after heartbreak. But the two to three transition was something that was not as clear to me until this. I think that this. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, especially because the three is just always so arresting. It kind of especially because typical tarot books like individualize every single tarot card. And that was always a big chapter. Yeah. You know? And so in like with this, where they made like a triad of a chapter, like yeah. a threesome basically was really nice because you get to see that transition between all three of them and realize like, Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Why I think of that before it totally like, does. Uh, all right. So no other swords that we want to touch on. No. All right. Let's move on to pentacles then. Yes. Did you have a favorite pentacles? The nine of pentacles. I love it. Oh I should say it to the mic. The nine of pentacles is my favorite pentacle. I was here down at my desk reading <laughs> because I'm blind. I also chose the nine of pentacles for the pentacle I, section. 
Okay, so you and but I also chose the Ten of Pentacles because. So, do you want to talk about the Nine of Pentacles? Yeah, sure. I do think the Ten of Pentacles is worth talking about because it's okay. So well, do you talk about both because it's our podcast? Yeah, so. exactly. We make the rules. Um, <laughs> okay, so I really like the Nine of Pentacles as like the acknowledgement that we have to allow ourselves to feel the joy of yes. hard work paying off. Yes, <laughs> I thought that that is just. I think that's just like something that people really struggle to do, and I think that her framework is. Saying like, you know, with LGBTQ plus community members who feel like their environment isn't exactly right. There's something Mm -hmm. still missing. Taking the time to look around you and saying, okay, I may still have these following issues with what's going on around me, but look at how far I've come. Mm -hmm. And I feel like anyone can have that experience. It doesn't have to be about like the community you've created around yourself. But I do think that that happens a lot, even with like non-queer people. It's just like... Am I doing enough? Am I getting far enough? Have I, you know, like, am I doing the things that I want to be doing? And so having the nine be like, yeah, sit down, take stock and recognize that you've done it. And I thought that this was a really interesting paragraph. For some reason, marginalized people have no problem being told that their road ahead is long and full of strife. They have no problem being told that it's time to go deep into their trauma and to recover from it. I get little pushback from asking those seekers to do more work or dig deeper. Yet when I say, hey, look how much work you've done. Great job. Now rest. I get at best blank faces staring back at me. (laughs) At worst, I end up trying to convince the client that time off is good and that they deserve comfort. And I get it. I I struggle with this too. And I think that that was really funny because I do feel like people and I, I spend a lot of my day and my, you know, day job being like, you can do this. You've already accomplished so much and just like trying Mm -hmm. to be reassuring. And it's true. People really struggle with contemplating how far they've come and how much they've achieved. Because if you feel like you have this insurmountable obstacle, if you get 25% up that insurmountable obstacle, it doesn't feel like you're overcoming it. It feels like you're still at the bottom of that obstacle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's also too, like in my background, you were, I was raised like if you got any sort of glory here on earth, you're not going to get any glory in heaven. Like your rewards already been sown here on earth. How do people get talked into this? (sighs) All of the things you say, like I was raised to believe this. I'm like, who the fuck tells small children? (laughs) Jesus does. That's the problem. Jesus does. Uh, But (laughs) But Jesus was talking to rich people, not to small children. (laughs) I know. But anyway, this is the sorry. climate we're in. It's, <laughs> I know. So, so that's like the background that I come from. So any sort of like pat on the back or any sort of acknowledgement that, yeah, I did yeah. a fucking good job on this is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, um, so it's definitely, I think something that also has, goes back culturally as well. Yeah. Where it's just difficult, you know, not only seeing where you've come as a person from one place to another, but also when you, when you have accomplished things in your life. You know, you're kind of taught to kind of downplay that as well. Yeah. And you just need to realize how fucking great you are and yeah. just pat yourself on the back. Or have make a friend who will tell you how great you are and then you just have to believe them when they say it. Believe them, yeah. <laughs> and then repeat what they've said to, back to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Over and, and over again. And allow that belief to kind of wash over <laughs> you and inside you. All right. So should we talk about the 10 a little bit? Yes. Let's talk about the 10. I loved mentioning the history of the community from Stonewall to the AIDS epidemic and the building of that legacy. Right. Because people in those times 
did not do it necessarily for themselves. They did it for the people that were gonna would benefit later on. Yeah. And I was like crying. It was just so beautiful for it to be kind of, because I know about Stonewall. I know about the AIDS crisis. I know these things in my brain. Yeah. But to connect it with this Ten of Pentacles card in just such a meaningful way, because Ten of Pentacles I've always just seen as like, woohoo, patriarchy, dad has money, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and for it to be you know, kind of transformed in a way that things that you're building now, you may not reap the benefit of it, but that's the beauty beauty of this card. Yeah. The beauty of this card is for other people and that death is imminent at any time. And yeah. So we should keep building for and the I, future. I think that that's such an important distinction for the Ten of Pentacles, like not necessarily saying like, look at everything that you've inherited, but more mm-hmm. like look at everything that you've set up for other people to inherit. Yes. Yes. And it takes that money aspect away, that power aspect away from the patriarchy and the finances that the, that suit kind of can imply to have. And it brings it to a level of building a home for other people. Yeah. Oh, that's in really, essence. that's such a good point. That's really beautiful. So yeah, I really love the 10 of pentacles chapter and was like, crying and Aww. it was just really meaningful just because like uh especially with the the 50th anniversary of stonewall just occurring yeah, like last literally week, last two week. weeks ago yeah. you know it's um i just thought it was like really really beautiful to bring up in this context yeah and i guess that would be a really good time to give a shout out to a, one of our favorite podcasts true crime obsessed because they yes. have a couple <laughs> of really good episodes one about Stonewall and then one about that fire in uh, New oh, Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. And they also did one about the AIDS epidemic documentary. Oh, God. So good. Too. So I cried all the way through that documentary. Yeah. So. And one of the hosts of that pod, I mean, it's like the one of the biggest true crime podcasts in the world. So I'm sure you've heard of it. <laughs> but if you haven't, one of the hosts for that podcast, like, calls himself a queer historian. Like, his yes. whole thing is, like, really trying to like keep the history in the forefront of people's minds. And he does mm-hmm. such a good job of that. And so those episodes of those podcast of that podcast are so good. And yes. so uh, like heartbreaking and funny because they're funny hilarious. They're hilarious. Right. I will link all of them in the show notes. So you can individually find them kind of on their own. Yeah. If you want to give them a listen. So or it's at true. least include episode titles if you already have a podcast app. Hopefully you do. Yeah. So, <laughs> Or else how are you listening to this? <laughs> all right on to the cups do we have thoughts about cups oh i thought it was so beautiful that cassandra mentioned the cards that come up for when individuals are ready to embark on parenthood yeah. and i thought that and so the ten of cups was one of those cards oh and I believe, that's true cassandra links the nine and ten together in the same chapter yeah, the nine and ten together and i believe what major maybe the sun was the major that could possibly also be linked to like possibly being open to adoption. Oh yeah, I think other, it was the or sun, like in yeah. vitro things. Yeah. So um so I just thought that was really interesting because of because typically, as we know, in tarot, typically like the Empress is, you know, for childhood things. But I loved the taking the Empress out of that conversation yeah. completely. And using the Ten of Cups and then that idealized future and building that future with your family. And I just thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too. Okay, so I also highlighted some stuff in the five through seven of cups because it's not five and seven. That was my problem. I was like, I don't remember why I included this, but the five through seven was really interesting because of the idea to me of getting stuck in the six. 
like oh, yes. craving the nostalgia almost. And yes. Cassandra talks about the scarcity mindset as a member of the LGBTQ plus community who's like trying to find love. You can get stuck in the scarcity mindset and then end up falling for the nostalgia and then the seven of cups illusions of like, yes. this is what love is this like, instead of being more able to sort of see beyond the nostalgia, even if there's all of these options, you're still kind of like thinking about the nostalgic past relationships or whatever. Right. And I thought that that was uh, really interesting. And I think even like alluding to past paradigms, about what it means to be in a relationship with someone and yeah. like that you should do may not apply to you now and that's okay and i really liked that as well yeah so that she says that also means that even after the heartbreak in the five that we should have learned from fantasizing about the past and the six and realizing it's better to move on in the seven those choices aren't real in a different way than other people might see them Choices where your morals, identity, or allyship to other marginalized groups are put online so you can have basic things like a decent apartment or a job that pays well are not real choices. So anyway, I thought that that was really an interesting combination for those cards. And I think that with any any emotional connection, you can feel like once the heart gets broken, the nostalgia just kicks into super high gear and yeah. can keep you from growth because you're like, <sighs> It used to be so easy. And you so want this easy. idealized. Yeah. yeah. You want this like idealized thing that the Seven of Cups has to offer. Like here's the perfect relationship that yeah. you should have. Because yeah. of blah, 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 blah. But you have and to be able to break yourself from break that. Break yourself free, free from that. And I feel like that is just oh, such a good message. Right. Any other cups? Or do we want to talk about our signifier cards? Because I thought that'd be the best way to do this. I, I would like to go over how Cassandra teaches court cards. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was really, because I just highlighted the three points. Um, Cassandra says, when I teach tarot, I teach three things to help us get around those trappings, the trappings of gen like specific genders being assigned to court cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first is to learn these cards as energies, events, and pieces of advice right. first, which I was like, yes. Yes. Pieces of advice is a good thing to add to I it love also. that. Then, secondly, you can go back and add elements of humanity and ascribe them to people. And then if students are ascribing only women to queens and men to kings, I make them scrap it and start over using exclusively non-binary or opposite gender people that, that they know or know of really well to assign to each card. My cishet male best friend from college is clearly a queen of wands to me, which deepens my understanding of him and that card. And I was like, I love that because, I mean, I'm a queen of wands, so it's really <laughs> nice to say hey. Um, and then finally, once we have four different ways to read the card and less gendered ideas of who represents each card, I ask students to look and see if they still think the king is the head of every suit. I personally usually shift the queen of cups to the head of that family. And then through all the other court cards, uh, Cassandra mentions, like even the knight of wands, she sees as the head of the suit of wands because of like, that's how a wand is. They're fiery. They're oh, they yeah. so rushed right in really yeah, fast. Totally. Yeah. And the action. So I was like. That's awesome. And I do think that it's worth mentioning that the numinous tarot actually shifts the queen to the like top spot in the yeah. court cards. Like the way that it's organized. I'm sure. And I think that's too. how Luna Soul is as well. Oh yeah. Luna Soul shifts the queen to the top of the deck. Yeah. Which I yeah. like. So, yeah, I do too. <laughs> so yeah. I love those. So now we can talk about signifiers now that we have the background of the court. Yeah. Do you want discovery. to talk about yours first? Yes. Although I was reading the Queen of Swords and I was thinking this sounds so much like Esther, but I oh, know really? that that's not what you use. I think the part where, okay, 
The Queen of Swords says, the queen tells it like it is, values honesty, and is a quick thinker with almost supernatural perception, which I was like, Detective (laughs) Esther over here. (laughs) This means she's not only concerned with what's fair and just, but is also a master at sussing out what's really going on. She's intelligent and strong and able to make absolute judgments devoid of emotion. She does not lack compassion or personality, though, and usually errs on the side of what's truly just. And that made me think of you a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like if I didn't have as many like water signs in my, in my body that I have is that oh, I would yeah. be very queen of swords. But I think because I have so many, so my cancer moon and cancer rising that somehow makes me a wand and not a queen of cups. I don't understand it. I think, I think because it's temperamental by the, the fire of yeah. the Leo. Yeah. That would be my so, guess. So queen of wands, I underlined as a result they are popular and in demand, but will make time for everything and everyone that's important to them. Like, yes. I'm supposed to say no this season, but I keep saying yes to everybody and everything because everyone and everything is important to me. <laughs> danger, danger. They say that the Queen of Wands 2 is fire itself, determined, dominant, and demanding. I feel like I'm really not demanding, but maybe I am demanding. <laughs> I really loved that they, in the, actually it was mentioned in the Knights part that if you don't have a queen of wands kind of like supporting the knight, like as in like a community leader, the knight's not going to get anything done because the queen of wands is the person like in the background kind of fueling things. Yeah. And so, yeah, the queen is busy and active and loves to hustle. And as a result, they're popular in demand, but will make time for everything and everyone that's important to them. The queen of wands is also stubbornness and will resort to deception or flat out bullying to win once they've dug their fabulous heels in. (laughs) And I will say that I had to resort to lying today to get someone to leave me alone. Oh, wow. Yes. And then I also cracked up. I didn't highlight this. That's why I came here is because this card is sex. That's what it says (laughs) in a sentence. This card is sex. It's dominance and talking about like. It's a very positive card, but also if you're seeing it a lot, like perhaps apply it to your bedroom life. <laughs> Be and... boss here, girlfriend. <laughs> Queen of Wands <laughs> represents a high sex drive. I feel like it's reading me right here on the page. Yeah. So yeah, it's but it's but it's talking about like getting outside of your kind of brain and kind of just going with the feeling because the Queen of Wands is very even though she's a fire sign, she's very down to earth and kind of like powerful and dominant in yeah. those ways. Like it was really, really good. Like, but in like a like an aspirational way. Like, I'm not totally this kind of Queen of Wands yet. Yeah, but it's but that's kind of like goal. a goal. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we already touched on the fact that it doesn't seem like Cassandra super loves Pentacles, and I think the Queen of Pentacles, and actually the card, the Queen of Pentacles, the image that's used is sort of similar. It's like. The Queen of Pentacles is most often depicted as a confident and wealthy presumed woman who's a good mother and a disciplined worker and who manages to squeeze time for luxury and enjoying herself in there too, which is like, not me. I'm not a mother. I mean, honestly, if I have to be like truly truthful, I'm like a medium disciplined worker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that it's funny because it's like her emphasis focuses so much on the card being like about sort of the monetary stuff. And I don't see it that way at all. But Cassandra does say querying this card means looking at who in your community is comfortable, confident and doing it all. If you're looking for a friend or friend or a mentor, this card is telling you to look for a person whose career is going well, who's always wrapped up in a million art or activist activities, and who is still always in their favorite queer spaces, socializing easily and making connections. And those things I can relate to. And it says this yes. card represents the drag moms in our community, but it represents the bar managers and owners too. 
And yeah. I think that that's like the bar managers and owners, like I don't find myself like ambitious or concerned with money enough to like, like have that be a priority over my relationships. But I do want people to always feel comfortable in my right. home and around me and all of that stuff. So I guess kind of would be my general right. assessment. But I think that that aligns with how Cassandra feels about the pentacles in general. They're just like not that big of a fan. Right. So I'm not going to take it's- it too personally. <laughs> yeah, it it's definitely seemed that because of the traumatic experiences that Cassandra has had with pentacles, that it kind of uh, colored that's their view of the application and how they see pentacles that come up a lot in their readings. Yeah. Because we would see it more of like, because I don't think there's really ever been a reading that I've done where it's come up as money. Like, you know, the only one I could think of was like the four of pentacles we pulled like last week or something where it's like conserve your resources but i didn't think of that as money i just thought of that just like yeah you know don't buy a house right now like it was it's not necessarily like you know keep your money i guess but it was just well and also another strange thing is that it seems like cassandra almost likes the king of pentacles more because they talk about how the king of pentacles is more generous but yes. I always feel like the Queen of Pentacles is more generous. Yeah, so. I, I always said th- I thought that it would take the King of Pentacles as being like the money hoarder. Yeah, and, like, like the King is the one who's more of, of a miser than the Queen. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't, that's not the strength in this book. I think there's a million other reasons to read it, but maybe yes. not just for the Queen of Pentacles Queen assessment. Of Pentacles. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that does lead us to the pros and cons. Do you yes. have any cons? No, not really, because like even like with what we the problem that like the one the only problems we had with modern terror by Michelle T was the deck was a bit meh. The deck in this book is really good, yeah, like and really powerful and meaningful. And so I don't even think that kind of like makes it go lower either. Because in yeah. a lot of tarot books, because of copyright issues, they just Choose kind of make their stuff. own way. Yeah. yeah. So I like, guess the, my only con, and this yeah. is like so minor that it barely even counts as a con, is that I felt like there was a lot of conflation of being part of the kink community with being part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I don't, I know that there's overlap obviously, but there were some times like with the hanged man where I was like, if I got the hanged man, I don't think I would default to saying like, maybe you should try rope play necessarily yeah. but that is yeah. a section that she talks about that a lot in so they're yeah. just a the chariot and the the, the hang band were a couple sections where the kink the kink stuff and i just don't yeah. know if i don't know i mean obviously since i'm not part of either community i can't like be an like the one with an opinion about it but i don't know how happy i would be to like really incorporate a lot of the kink readings of it into readings for queerants i'd have to know them right super well to have the kink stuff be something that i talked play. about yeah well no no pun intended with what i said <laughs> so i don't know it's like not even it's the only reason i mentioned it is because i think if we didn't it would be really surprising to people who are reading the book and they're like wait what <laughs> Right, right. But other than that, I think that this was like so successful of a book to bring up queer experiences and ways of looking at these sort of like mini story arcs. I thought that that was like a really dynamic way to present the minor arcana. Yes. Was linking these stories together. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that it was, I think that this is a really, really solid book. Yeah, I I definitely think it's a book that everyone in the tarot community needs to read, whether you're like even just like a new tarot reader yeah if you've been reading tarot for 30 years because essentially you don't know who's going to be sitting in front of you at what time right and we need to be able to read for anybody and we want to be able to read for everybody and also you know connecting two people 
where they're at and seeing them for who they are yeah who they truly are and not who we want to see yeah and so i just thought this was like a really probably one of the like books that i would just overall just say you need to just buy this right now yeah and read it yourself because it'll be so impactful for you yourself as a person to read this as yeah a human being on the planet earth read this exactly Awesome. Well, uh, oh yeah, let's talk about some of the books that, or some of the decks that Fawn uses, because Fawn mentioned not being drawn to decks that had a lot of people in them. And that's also a really good transition to our deck of the week for next week. Yeah. So Fawn mentioned Otherkin's Tarot, which just came out like a month ago, maybe. Yeah. And also White Sage Tarot, which is like very animal, very calming. It was designed by someone who um, purposefully and intentionally made the deck to not be like patriarchal with those themes inside of it. Totally. And also Crystal Unicorn Tarot, which, which is we just love one Crystal of our Unicorn favorites. Tarot. Yeah, it's one <laughs> of our faves. And all of the rainbows and things takes a lot of the arresting images out. And the unicorns are just amazing, so. Uh, and so, yeah. there are more and more decks that are including, like, queer representation in them. So uh, I think we've talked about it in the Facebook group a couple times. Yeah, we have a thread in the Facebook group that if there's, like, because we have, we've reviewed a few decks like Lunasol and what's the other one that has really big cards? Next World. Yeah, Next World Tarot and and things like that. But though that's from our perspective as white cishet women yeah saying that these these decks have Seem representation, to have representation. yeah so we want to hear from you yeah we want to hear you appreciate using if you are in the lgbt but actually i think that that's probably one of the reasons why the wild unknown got so popular because it was there's no people in that at all yeah i feel like that would really speak to people who are trying to avoid some of that like patriarchy stuff yeah. That's all I can assume. Stuff, that's the yeah. reason that it got so popular because I still don't get it. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So our deck of the week next week is going to be Otherkins. We're going to take this chance to talk about Otherkins Tarot. It is brand new. Uh, it's only been out for like a month, but I'm so excited about it. I know. I cannot wait to talk about Otherkins. I know. Well, thanks for bearing with us for that. Uh, hopefully, yes. if you have feedback, absolutely send us an email. Yes, We're super please. open to that. We want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, and that's our show. So don't forget to email us your tarot questions. So we'll take live questions or questions about tarot or feedback about the episode. You can email us at wildlytarotpodcast at gmail.com or message us at wildlytarotpodcast on Instagram. Also, tell your friends about us and rate and review us on any like podcast app you have. It helps us grow and makes us really happy. It does. You can also follow us on Instagram for pictures of the decks we're using or join our Facebook community by searching Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. Also, we post bonus content on Patreon, including Moon Minutes, bonus episodes every week. So go look there. Yeah. If you support us at the full level or higher, you can access almost all of it. We're at patreon.com slash Wildly Tarot Podcast. And remember, go forth and tarot wildly this week. We love you so much. Hopefully my teeth will stop hurting. Oh, please. (laughs) How's your head? Not great. (laughs) But we made it. Yeah.